Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you are looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. Now, you might look, you might have probably already looked down at the scripture and said, Matt, you haven't preached in two weeks, and this is where you're starting, bro? Um, uh, so, just, just hear me out. Um, has, and I, before you hear me, I don't want you to help me out, okay? So, I want you to help a very, very pasty white southern boy understand something, okay? If I say the phrase, slow your roll, what does that mean? Anybody want to tell me? Calm down, calm down, okay? Chill out. Chill out, okay, cool. Calm down, chill out, that's a good one. Um, anybody else got another definition, or does that pretty much grab it? What, take a breather? Okay, cool, that's it, slow your, okay. So, the, the title of the message tonight is Slow Your Roll, Know Your Roll. Now, the, sl- the slow your roll part is take a breather, like it's all take a deep breath, thank you, Ross, you know, you know, if you're a person who does the earlobe thing, I don't even know that's a real thing. I saw it on a movie once. You know, people are like, calm down or whatever. You know, do that. <clears throat> because this particular passage of Scripture is one of the ones that are uh, kind of say the same thing here that can, um, uh, that can trigger a lot of people, especially in our culture. Because, you know, everyone is screaming about, you know, uh, the oppressive patriarchy that is America, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And and I'm not saying there's not elements of, the, of that that hasn't existed in our country before. It obviously has. But if you want to make a list of the most oppressive uh, patriarchal societies, uh, America is way down on the list throughout history. And if you want to uh, look at one in particular, that is wildly, wildly patriarchal and really based on men, you should look no further than Rome. So remember that um, we're, we're talking about Paul writing a letter to the church in a particular city. Um, this city is called Colossae. That's why it's called, it's called Colossians, right? And we have to remember that the Bible was not written to you. It was written for you. How do I know that? Because the title of this letter is not to the Phoenician people, right? It's to the Colossian people. The principles that he's espousing here are wildly applicable to us, but there's some context that we're missing because we read the Bible through our own American lens. Now, I don't care where you are or where you're from, if you came here from another you know, state or country or moved here from somewhere else throughout the world, if you live here long enough, everything you see in life is going to be through the lens that's tinted red, white, and blue. My brother is in New Zealand. He's been there for six years. I watched his message um, this morning as he was speaking to his church over there in New Zealand, and I saw, I heard him say some things. I was like, what does that mean? I've never heard you say that in your life, but he's kind of, you know, been absorbed into the culture, and the things he's addressing is from a perspective of New Zealand because he's been there long enough. It doesn't matter where you are. If you're there long enough, you're going to adopt some of their cultural influences and see the world as they see it and adopt their cultural acceptance and trends. So Colossae, this city, was a very prominent city in a nation called Phrygia. Now, I'm sure that I butchered that name, but 
That's how it looks on the paper to me when I saw it. Phrygia, right? Phrygia was overrun by another country. They got into war, and Phrygia was overrun. And then, 80 to 100 years before Christ was born, Rome decided, hey, we want them too, and they conquered the area. So you're talking about this culture being overrun, occupied, and influenced by Rome for 80 to 100 years. Now, in your mind, you go, well, that's kind of, that's a long time. But let me ask you a question. If China, hypothetically, China were to come to America and invade and take over and replace our system of government and replace our money and replace our economic structure and replace our laws and all that stuff, do you think that after 100 years, we would still look like the good old U.S. of A? Or who would we look like? The people who have overtaken our area. This is what's happened to the city of Colossae. <clears throat> They've been overtaken. Um, they, the, the, the Roman culture is spread throughout all of, their, all of their institutions, including marriage. When we think of marriage, um, we think, you know, husband, wife committed to each other, and they're, you know, that's it. And if someone breaks that commitment, we go, that's bad. Let me ask a very kind of general question that you may not have ever thought about before. Why is that bad? Why is it bad that a husband or wife doesn't fulfill their commitment in their marriage and just runs off with somebody else? Why do we view that as a bad thing? You might go, well, because it's wrong. Well, you think that is wrong because you derive and, and receive your moral standard from God's word. Whether you like it or not, atheist, agnostic, Hindu, Muslim, whatever Christian in this country, your view of morality is shaped in part, whether you realize it or not, by God's word. Because many of the culturally accepted things, like marriage, one man, one woman, stay committed to each other, was influenced, that idea in our culture was influenced by people who respected God's word. Your idea of justice. Rome didn't have any, any desire to carry out justice. They just wanted calm. They wanted to overrun you and you just calm down. They wanted you to slow your roll. <clears throat> That's what they wanted. They wanted just to keep the peace. They did not want you to receive justice. The idea that you have to have a witness in court to verify a story, that you're innocent until proven guilty, these are all derived from the Bible. These are not people that went, I have a different idea. No, they got them from somewhere. It was here. That is slowly slipping from us because people are acting in immoral ways now and looking at us and go, why should I be married? Our culture hasn't gone completely away from that because this week, a very prominent basketball coach, um, he was suspended for a year and probably will never coach for that team again because he had an affair with a married woman inside the organization. He was engaged for six years, has a child with another lady he's not married to. Uh, and then he goes and wrecks another marriage because he had an affair with a woman who was married. And they suspend him because that's not good. 
And we all would all say, yes, that's not good. We would agree. But the reason we agree is because we have, we have our roots here. Rome did not have their roots here. Rome didn't understand marriage or view marriage culturally as, as scripture lays out for us. They didn't look at it the same way. Now, if you're somebody who's single in here and you're like, bro, you're talking about marriage? How's this got to apply to me? Oh, you're going to want to listen to this because it's going to impact you in the future. I promise you. So Paul is writing these words to a church that, is in, that has been impacted by a city that has a wildly different idea of what marriage is compared to me and you. The American view of marriage is not the Roman view of marriage, and I'm going to show you, I'm going to, I'm going to explain it to you here in just a minute. But let's read this passage of scripture, Colossians 3, 18 through 25, and he starts here, wives submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them at all, the, all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent, excuse me, fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you'll be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favors. <clears throat> so when our culture hears this, and maybe some of us in the room when we hear this, you know, wives submit to your husband. I don't need no man to tell me what to do. Stop it. I can do it myself, right? Like because all culture is screaming and yelling at us about the, the, the value. We don't need the men. We don't need you guys. We can go do whatever we want. You need to sit down and let me take over. Rah! Right? That's kind of, that's kind of the, the thing. And so when you say things like, uh, uh, wives submit to your husbands, I'm not coming to your church. Is that what you still think? Because if you read the Bible through the lens of America, you look at it and go, oh, that's old and outdated. It doesn't apply to us because we have evolved past that. We've moved on. We understand that that's so archaic right? So I don't want nothing to do with that. But this wasn't written to you. It's written for you, but it wasn't written to you. When the Romans dealt with the idea of marriage, none of them, or I shouldn't say none, very few of them got married because of love. The Hallmark Channel that every man in here is about to pay the monthly subscription fee for his wife for the end of the year from now throughout the holidays because you want to see the, the nerdy high school guy who took off his glasses and the buck tooth girl who grew out grow, grew into her teeth from her hometown, you know, like they somehow come back for a holiday or someone is sick and they get hooked up and married and they kiss right at the right time when the Christmas tree lights and the snow begins to gently fall and then everyone holds hands and wallops through the tulips on the way home as they make snow angels and they never get wet from the snow. It's awesome. It can happen. <clears throat> it can happen, it can happen, right? Um, so these guys, the, the Hallmark Channel would never work in ancient Rome because men were looked at as weak if a woman made you feel that way. They were looked at as weak. 
wait a minute, I'm, well, I love that story. I want to go, we want to get married. I want to partner and we're going to have children and we're going to live happily ever after. We're going to do own a home. We're going to do all these things. And that wasn't what they were about. They were about unifying contractually for a purpose. That was not godly, by the way. So they got married for a couple reasons. One of those reasons was political power. So let me modernize that for you real quick. If the governor of California had a son and the governor of Arizona had a daughter and they went, hey, y'all should get married together because we're kind of joining forces here and we can shape all of the laws and the policies that happen on the West Coast. They marry for something like that. I don't know this guy. I don't know what kind of qualities he has. I don't know what his characters are like. I don't know what this girl's like or what her character is like. But y'all just need to get together and figure it out because if y'all get together, our families unite and now we have this political power that we can influence things going forward. The other reason they got married was for financial power. How does that work? Let's pre- I'll modernize that as well. Let's pretend that there's one family who has a son who has just a massive real estate portfolio. They own a ton of property and they're wealthy millionaires. And there's other family that has a daughter and then they have a massive stock portfolio. They got millions of dollars in the stock market. And then they go, y'all need to get married because now we are doubling our strength so that we can walk in and do whatever we want to in a business venture. Gives us more financial power. I don't even like him. I don't care what you like. You're taking this one for the team. You're going to go out there and combine our families through marriage and you're going to make us a juggernaut to be dealt with. Another reason they got married, believe it or not, was out of duty to Rome. There was a time because during the Roman Empire, uh, sexual promiscuity was rampant everywhere. It was so rampant that prostitution was viewed as an acceptable career field. Can you imagine, imagine we got a couple of high school seniors in the house and you go to your guidance counselor and like, what do you want to do? There's a couple of life choices that you can make. You can be a plumber, an electrician. You can work in tech. You can go to a trade school and be a mechanic. You can be a prostitute. You can, uh, you can become, uh, go into finance. Which one of these life choices would you like? We look at that and be like, what's the matter with you? Right? Because that's not an option. But to them, it was a viable job that everyone just understood. Oh, that's a prostitute. Because everything was hyper, hyper, hyper sexualized. Everything. You think our culture is bad? Oh, no, 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 no. This is bad. Because it's bad because it's going down the wrong way. But in Rome, oh, it was, it was just far, far worse than we could imagine. It's terrible. So... These guys were so promiscuous and had so much, um, so much um, uh, access, should I say, to, um, I'll keep it PG, intimacy with another person. They had so much access to that. Why get married? We look at it and we're telling people, hey, don't do that until you get married. You know what I mean? Like how many memes are there in the world about that joke about Christian people on their wedding night? 
You know, like, what is that? You know what I mean? Like, they don't know because you're supposed to not really engage in that first. And we understand that's kind of what the goal is. These guys were like, what do you mean? I figured all this out when I was a teenager. Because why? Because I have participated in all this for a very long time because it's just wildly available out there. Because of that, the Roman uh, population began to decrease. And one of the emperors stepped in and said, um, if you are a man over the age of 20, it's legally required for you to get married. So let's pretend real quick that Rashad here, he's 20, and the law comes out and is like, bro, you got to be hitched by Thanksgiving. That might be a movie somewhere I saw actually on the Hallmark Channel, but like you got to be hitched by Thanksgiving. And then he's like, wait, what? Yeah, you got to be married. And on top of that, you're going to need to start having kids so we can establish the Roman Empire for a longer period of time. And if you have three kids or more, y'all would qualify, um, right? If you have three kids or more, the year of me has passed that one, right? You're one shy. If you have three kids or more, there's a whole bunch of financial and tax benefits for you to incentivize people having kids so they can make money. <clears throat> so now let's just think about what that's like. You got all these people who didn't get married because they love someone, because God showed them that this would be a great partner for them, that they, you know, they saw uh, character traits and qualities in this person they thought they could partner with and live the rest of their life with. None of that happened. You got these people who just got together because some of their families arranged the marriages when they were younger. Do you think that that person, that husband and that wife, really have any kind of connection or desire to stay together? No. None. So what do you so when you look at stuff like this and you say, "Man, well why would women even want to participate in something like that?" Great question. Remember I told you how terrible the patriarchy was and how oppressive that system was? If you were a woman living in Rome during, in that, that, during that time, you did not have citizenship unless it was through a man, your dad or your husband. So if you weren't living at your dad's house anymore and you weren't married, you ran the risk of not even having citizenship in Rome. They already didn't educate the women. They taught you how to do the basics, the cooking, the cleaning, the helping the kids and all that kind of stuff. They taught you that. Taught you maybe a little, uh, a little trade or a skill to sew something or make some food that you could kind of trade with some people around you, make a little bit of extra money. But there was no, there was no, not even a inkling of a thought that we would have two women running off for governor over an area like we have in Arizona. Like, people in Rome would be confused, out of their mind, like, what? What are you doing? Because that's how, that's how patriarchal the society was. That's how male-dominated it was. And when you got married or you were born underneath a man, uh, you, women, and all your kids were his property. Not just his family, his property. So... If you got a bad one, your, your dad picked somebody and hooked you up for a political purpose, and that was a, a terrible scenario for you, guess what? 
It was a rough life. He could put hands on you. He could put hands on them kids. And legally, it was okay. And culturally, it was accepted. If a woman could influence her husband, if a wife could influence a husband through physical intimacy, the other men looked at him like, you're weak, bro. How are you going to let a woman do that? Why were they considered weak? Because you were allowed to run out and get sex anywhere. It was widely available for you. They had brothels, they had all these things. You could go get that anywhere. And one of the, 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 in my study, one of the things I read was that the, the, the husbands rarely, rarely saw the wife um, without clothes. Rarely. Because there, it was just like this formal arrangement. He didn't need her for that because he could go get it wherever he wanted. And then guess what she did? Went and got it wherever she wanted to. Can you see the crazy dynamic that's at play here? That this person and this person are married, but you know they hate each other. And this single guy over here is engaged to this person, but he really has got the hots for this lady who's married to this guy. And so they sneak off together because he doesn't really want to be with her. He wants to be with this other lady. And so they, this person's with this person, that person, that person. The body counts are just piling up. It is a, can you, you talk about drama, like drama for your mama, right? Like this is, this is all the drama you want and then some. You can't write television shows that would piece together the level of drama that they're dealing with in Rome. It is wild. It is crazy. <clears throat> then you had three different types of marriages. You just didn't go, I want to get married. You said, how do you want to get married? I can't pronounce these words because I'm not Italian. So I'm just going to call them type one, two, and three, okay? So in the first type of marriage, it was an elaborate religious ceremony with 10 witnesses. You had to have a certain religious leader there. You had to have a certain political leader there. And only the children of people who got married in this religious institution could do that again. Let me explain it to you. Let's say that you and your, let's say you're engaged to someone and you decide, Matt, I want to get married at the church. I want you to come do the wedding. It's going to be a great celebration. I'm going to bite my family. And we'd be like, today would be like, it's awesome. But in Rome, they went, uh, did your parents get married in the church? No, they got married at a golf course. They got married at the courthouse. They got married at the park somewhere down the street. They had their ceremony there. Oh, then you can't do this because they didn't do it. Very exclusive. Can you imagine telling people, no, you can't get married in the church because your parents didn't get married in the church? That was one type of the marriage. The second type was the wife had to carry a dowry, which was basically payment, some kind of material possession, to the husband and if he or to the to the guy and if he accepted the dowry then he owned her so let's go back to rashad right so let's pretend rashad's got to get married by thanksgiving and there's three women 
And he's got to choose pretty quick here because we're running out of time. Right? You got what? Ten weeks or so, six weeks or eight weeks before Thanksgiving. Right? So you got to pick. And this one girl comes, and on a scale of one to ten, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, she's a seven. She's a seven, but she's got ten grand as her dowry. The second girl rolls up, and she's like an 8.5, but she's only got 1,200 bucks. And then the third girl, she's kind of, she's like a six, but she's got $80,000. Now, okay, look, you're looking at this going, which one do I pick? First of all, that would never happen in our culture. This, that, what would we do? Piece of garbage. Why would you even consider it, Rashad? You know, like it'd be his fault. You know what I mean? Like, why would you even, why, why, why'd you even look at her? <clears throat> why'd you even tell her you're interested? Now she's walking up to the house, knocking on the door with 1200 bucks. You know what I mean? So it, we would look at that like, this is nuts, but that's how they operated. And he had, okay, look, if he chose one, two, or three, he doesn't know what he's getting. He just knows he's got an upfront payment and the 80 grand would make a nice truck in the driveway to start this whole thing off. So if he picks that, did he pick her because he loved her, because he has a partnership, because he has a heart for her, because he has character, because she has character and they're connecting? No. Do you see the problems that could go on in this scenario? The third one was a man and a woman would live together, just like they were married. They just live together, you know, no restrictions, just live together like they're married for a year. And then the woman got to decide if she wanted to stay or not. So January 1st, 2021, she moves in. January 1st, 2022, she's got to decide if she wants to stay. Here's how she decides if she wants to stay. She comes back on the next day, on January 2nd. She shows up. If on January 2nd, she didn't show up and she stayed away for three nights and went back to her dad's house, that was her way of kind of indirectly telling you, you're not the one for me. This year has been enough for me. Talk about being ghosted, right? Like there's no GPS, no text, no phone call. I don't know if she's getting, you know, in a hospital, she got hit by a camel crossing the street or something, you know, like, I don't know what happened. But she just doesn't show up and I guess I got the message. <clears throat> so you're talking about a culture that is so wildly different when it comes to the idea of marriage. Oh, and here's a fun one. Um, if your dad, so, so ladies, if your dad, uh, after like a year or so, he sees how the, the husband that you've been given to is treating you and he don't like it, since he's a man, he can step in and tell you you're divorced. You're divorcing him, you come back home with me. And you go, well, great, the man stuck up for his daughter. Or maybe he found a better option. Maybe the governor of California and the, was, got reelected and the governor of Arizona didn't. He said, oh, I don't want you to be connected to Arizona no more. There's oil money in Texas and that guy's got a daughter. So y'all are divorced, and now I'm going to swap you out for this one because it's better, more, better for my political and financial power. All of these sorts of things were going on. I don't know about you, 
That sounds like chaos. That sounds like if I were to take a big canvas, a blank canvas, and then stick my hands in two different kind of paints and just go like this all over the place, that's kind of what it feels like when I'm reading all this. <clears throat> and then you put your hand in two different other kind of paints and you start going like this, and it's just chaos everywhere, right? It's just chaos. More paint, more scribble, more paint, more scribble. It's just chaos. This person's with that person. This one's cheating on this one. This one is uh, doesn't like this person. This one wants to divorce her husband, but her dad died and doesn't want to lose her citizenship, so she has to stay. And on and on and on, the onion peels back, and it is this gross, immoral, crazy culture around marriage, which is very very small, very low regard, and a whole bunch of sex going on. I don't know about you. I'm not one of those people who likes drama. Like, I don't know if it happened after I got saved or something, but I'm just like, I'm worn out when the story starts. Like, oh, God. Well, somebody said, and then they said, and then she said, and then I said. You know what I'm like? <laughs> I can't even, I don't know. I'm tired already. I'm tired. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like the drama. This wears me out. Just studying it, I was like, I had, I'm an overthinker already, so I had, what about this scenario? What about this scenario? What about this scenario? Oh my gosh, what would that mean for this person? You know what I mean? It would just be this wild, chaotic, sporadic mess. The other part that's terrible is that the man since he owned his wife and children, there was no regard for how he treated them. If he had a bad day at work and came home and physically took it out on the kid, he had the legal right to do so. We were like, get out of there, CPS, let's call somebody for help, right? You know what I mean? There's none of that in Rome. None of it. <clears throat> You're talking about... Um, uh, middle age, you know, middle school age kids, elementary school age kids, that guy comes home drunk, bashes all their toys and breaks the windows out of the house or whatever and slaps his wife or screams at them and tells them all these type of terrible things. He was legally allowed to do it and culturally it was accepted. Bro, keep your woman in place. How in the world did she just raise her voice? You don't need her. I know you did this for your family, but dude, just leave it alone and go spend the night with this lady. The only right the woman had was to leave. She had the right, one of the very few rights that she had was she could divorce. She could not show back up after a year. She could say, this is over. Go tell her dad to say, hey, cut this off. That's the only right that she had was to divorce, but it was risky. Because what if she got married and, two year, and a year into the marriage, her dad died? And this guy's getting crazy and abusive to, you know, in, in their scenario, and she wants to leave, but now she don't have a dad to go back to because he's gone. And she has to be connected through a man to get citizenship. You see how this, this all unfolds? The dominoes are not even set up anymore. They're just falling on top of each other. There's all down. <clears throat> and then you have Epaphras 
who started this church, a little home church in Colossae, who goes to Paul and tells him what's going on. He tells him what's going on inside the church and in the culture, and Paul's very aware of it. The Jewish culture don't follow those things. The Jewish guy, the, the Jewish culture and the people who were following God and following Yahweh were like, uh, I can't survive without that woman doing what she does. Proverbs 31. There's a Jewish guy writing that. Wisdom, Israel. Who can find it? If you find a wife, you find a great thing. She does all these things. Why? Because she's holding it down while I'm out here trying to provide for us. <clears throat> he knows the contrast. Paul is very aware of it. He's never been to Colossae. And just by hearing about it goes, I get it. He never travels there and then writes a letter, this letter, and sends it with a Epaphras, take it back to the, to the church there. Why? Can you imagine growing up that is normal? Do you think that a, a, little, like a little boy who was raised watching his dad beat and abuse and berate and break things and, and, and treat all the people in his life like garbage? You think that guy's going to grow up to be a, a strapping man of in, a character and integrity? No, he's going to follow the step, steps of his dad. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. That principle works outside of the church, too. If you train that kid to be a little monster, he's going to grow up to be a little monster. Can you imagine being finding all of that acceptable, seeing how women are degraded, how people are, are weeping because they really love their husband or wife, but they had permission to go out and be promiscuous, and all of the drama, and you're... <clears throat> you can't even keep it straight and you walk down the street and you don't know if your mom's been with that guy, if your dad's been with that lady, you don't know any of that. Growing up like that and then in that culture, hearing the gospel and getting saved. And then you get saved and you come out of that culture or you try to can you imagine what that's like? Can you imagine the utter confusion that they must be in because they've moved from death to life. They're away from all the craziness, away from all the immorality. The Holy Spirit is inside of them. He's convicting you of your sin, and you see what's going on, and you're like, man, I used to be down with all this, but man, it just feels wrong now. Just some, what's going on here? And they're confused. You, can you see what that's like for them? Paul writes this letter to them. Now, imagine how countercultural, how revolutionary <clears throat> this idea is when he steps in with everything that you have just heard fresh in your mind. He steps in, and here's the part of the letter Wives, submit to your husband. Wait, what? Submit to him? I know we just got saved, but I know what these guys out here, all his friends have been doing for years. I know how his dad was. I know how his uncles were. I know how his mentor was. I know how all these fools were acting. And you want me to submit to him? 
You want me to submit to him? Yes. Why? Because uh, you said so? Because you're trying to make sure that you establish the patriarchy and keep women oppressed? No. Submit your, your, yourselves to your husbands as, as is fitting to those who belong to the Lord. You're asking me to give up the only right that I have left? I don't have many of them. I have the right to divorce and leave. And you're saying, hey, leave that off to the side, submit? Yep. What are you talking about? What's going on? Slow your roll. Because, just pause, because I'm not done. Husbands, love your wives. What? Love my wife? I didn't want to get married to her in the first place. We got married because of political power, financial incentive. I got married for Rome. I'm looking around going, y'all can keep Rome, take her back. You know, I don't know. Like, what do you mean love her? <clears throat> what, am I supposed to just all of a sudden have like some magical feelings for her now? No. You ever stop to think about why Paul describes what love is, the characteristics of love? It's been beneficial for me in my life, but I'm like, why do you got to say it like that? Why did you have to spell it out? Because the culture, when he says, love your neighbor, love your wife, they have no clue what he's talking about. You want me to love her? I can run around and sleep with whoever I want. I can find a prostitute wherever I want. I don't have to be faithful to her, and she's still got to do everything I said. If she wants to keep her citizenship or run back home to your dad, who's five times worse than I ever was. You see what kind of predicament that is? And now Paul is saying, hey, submit to him. And that's where most of the guys want the period, not the comma to be right. Yeah. Make me a sandwich and it better not have mayonnaise on it. Right. Or something like that. Right. Like something. But it's not it's not just something for the women. There's a joint collaboration. Men, love your wife. What do you mean love? Pa uh, love, um, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. It doesn't delight when bad things happen or the evil ones out. It rejoices when the good things happen and rejoices in truth. It always protects, always hopes, always gives, always perseveres and never fails. Do you see how him telling men to love their wives was extremely countercultural? <clears throat> do you see how much of a change that would have to be if you were raised in that thing of they got to do what I say when I say right now and it's the law and now this next sentence makes a whole lot more sense to me love your wives and don't treat them or never treat them harshly In the American lens, we go, be nice. No, that's not what he's saying. Saying you have been given the legal right and the cultural acceptance to treat your wife 
in so many derogatory ways, but here I am telling you that's not how you're supposed to be. You ain't supposed to act like that. You're not supposed to treat her that way. You said for her to submit. Right, I'm telling you to love her and don't ever treat her harsh. Oi. All of the chaos, all the chaos, all the sleeping around, all the stuff. He's carving out this area and saying, if you will abide here, you're going to find peace. Because your creator knows what you need as a woman and you need as a man. And if you will give each other these things, you will live in a way that's countercultural. And people may look at you and be like, that's so weird. But guess what? Later on, they're going to go, oh my gosh, I should have done that. Knowing all of that, he continues, children, obey your parents. What? Obey my parents? You know what this man does to me when he gets home when he's drunk from all his Roman soldier friends? It's my toys he smashes every time that he gets mad. He tells me I'm an accident, I'm worthless. He only had me so he'd get money from Rome. He needed three of us kids and so that's all he treats us like as commodities. We're on our hands and knees, scrubbing the floors. We're doing all this crazy nonsense. And he treats us bad. He, I see how I, my mom crying at night. I see how he treats her. <clears throat> I, you want me to obey him? Why? For this pleases the Lord. I'm supposed to obey that guy? Slow your roll. Fathers, do not aggravate your children. Don't aggravate them, or they will become discouraged. You see what he's doing? He's not trying to make sure that the man stays in charge. He's not out here going, I want the patriarchy to continue. For wherever, whoever listens to this, well, I've I'm, I'm got my guys back to keep the women under your thumb. That's not what he's doing. He's saying, look at the culture. Do not follow them in anything, but on the list, don't follow their example of marriage. <clears throat> in our culture today, we, ever since the 50s and 60s, we've had people who have been you know, promoted with this toxic feminism, if I can call it that, that says, you don't need a man, focus on your career. You can go do everything a man can do. You can do it better. You're stronger than them. You can birth a human. And that guy's crying because he has a headache. He's sick and laid out in the bed, you know, with the cold. And you're over here raising all these kids and cleaning the house and going to work and doing all this stuff. He's a wimp. You don't need him. And then what happens? We are now seeing the effects of that because those 60, 65, 55-year-old women who went down that road who are now living in a silent house with nine cats when it comes to the holidays are looking around going, I've made a terrible mistake. I have no family. I got no kids. I have no grandkids. My life is empty because I went and followed what I wanted to do. I listened to the culture because they told me that I should act like this. Down with the patriarchy. 
down with the men. But typically, those guys who are regretting that, they're not at the women's march. Everybody who is pushing the transgender thing in our culture. I saw a 19-year-old girl stand at the foot of the White House steps this week and give a speech. At the age of 14, she convinced all of her friends that she was a boy, and so they did all of the surgeries to her at 14. Because that's loving and tolerant. And then she stood there at 19 with a mutilated body and said a year ago I looked in the mirror and said oh my gosh what have I done to myself I am a girl if you follow the lead of the culture long enough it's going to lead you to a place of ultimate regret and in this scenario he's looking at the married folks <clears throat> and saying, hey, I understand that you have been involved in all this crazy craziness when it comes to marriage, but now that you're saved and given your life to Christ, we're cutting a hole out of that canvas. All of that craziness doesn't apply to you. You submit to him and you, dude, make sure you love her and never be harsh to her. Kids, obey him and you don't do anything that's going to frustrate them and make them hate you for the rest of your life. And I'm not talking about the typical, like, 14-year-old hate. You didn't do your homework. Give me your phone. You lose it for two days. I hate you. <laughs> Slam the door. Ten minutes later, when's dinner? You know what I mean? Like, like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about derogatory behavior and words that leave someone crushed like, I hate you. That's not how you're supposed to treat them. He doesn't leave this alone either. He writes this to other churches. Ephesians chapter 5. He says it, um, <laughs> he says it three times in the same chapter. Verse 25. Husbands. This means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave up his life for her. So husbands. What do you... What, like Christ loved the church, he died on a cross for them. No, he, you can't die for the salvation of your family. But everything that Jesus did was focused on reconciling and providing a way for his bride to live with him forever. Everything he did was not self-focused. Everything he did was focused on us as his bride that's the example that he gives for husbands love your wife that way let all your attention all your affection all your effort all your provision all the things that you do be focused first on god and then second on her and the kids that you had together Live that way. I'm going to ask. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to risk it and ask the question to the women that are married in this house. 
if you knew that the the man that you married acted like that like christ loved the church everything was to help you everything was to make a better life for you everything was to try to to protect you everything that was done was done for for you with your best interest in mind your kids best interest in mind every decision every day he worked every day he came home every word that came out of his mouth if that was the guy do you have a problem submitting to that guy no i haven't seen anybody who who honestly answers that question and goes, I still hate him. <laughs> right? <clears throat> Three verses later, Paul says the same thing a different way. Just in case you didn't get that one, let me spell it out for you again, fellas. He knows we're knuckleheads, right? It's verse 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. So back to Rashad here, since all his options are on the table before Thanksgiving, right? <clears throat> so let's say he picks one of them. I'm not going to say which one, and you don't have to answer it. He just picked one of them, <clears throat> and we're out celebrating, and it's after Thanksgiving, and it's turkey bowl time, right? We're playing football. Better than the Cardinals play today. It's a different story. Sorry. Um, so, and someone tackles you, and you break your arm. Yeah. Yeah, you're, no, no, you're not watching. You're playing. So you're playing quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's doing his best Kyler Murray impression, but someone comes up behind him and drills him, tackles him, and he breaks his arm. <clears throat> Broken, it's out of place, disjointed, the bone sticking through the skin. It's a compound fracture. It's ugly, nasty, gross. Are you going to go home and get a cheeseburger? You're going where? Because you were not going to endure the pain and you're not going to leave this broken because you need this. That same focus and attention that you would put on that is the same type of attention and focus that's got to be on your wife. I care for her that much. I'm not going to leave it open-ended. Verse 33. Then he comes for the men and the women. So it's not. So we've been taking a bunch of body blows, guys, but the girls get one on this one too, right? Ephes uh, verse 33, so again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now I realize I'm probably getting the order of the notes out of, out of order, but just walk with me because there's only three of them, right? If you talk to behavioral psychologists today, they will tell you that a man and a woman have a list of needs. One of those lists is longer than the other one, but that's another subject for another day, right? So the, one of the, like, they have a list of needs. At the top of the list for women, the number one need is love. The top of the list, the number one need for men is respect. A food, well, that's number two. Respect, right, <clears throat> respect. They are discovering, man, if you can just treat your wife with love she is going to just flourish and if you can treat your husband with respect he is going to flourish and all it took was 1950 years of struggle to figure that out 
when we could have just read Paul in Ephesians, love your wife and respect your husband. The longer you go, if you're honest, all of these research on, on how to interact with other people and, and relationships and human development will all resolve to God's word because it is the truth. The number one thing that women desire is love. The number one thing that men desire is respect. That right there will revolutionize your entire life and marriage. Just that one thing. But Matt, what do you mean by submit? I got to do everything that man says? No. If he walks in today and says, I'm taking all the money for the mortgage and putting it on the Cardinals today against the Rams. <clears throat> and I just got to be like, okay. Nope. What does it mean to submit? Well, in our culture, we do a lot of sports, right? A lot of fighting, MMA. And if someone chokes the other guy out, it's a submission hold. So we view submission as if the, this negative thing that I got choked out, I got beat, so yeah, I submit, I'll just give in. I got beaten into submission. <clears throat> but this word, it's, I think it's the first line in your notes, the biblical word for submit, I don't know how to pronounce that word either. I tried like four different times. The redneck in me wants to say hupotasso, right? But that's, I know that's wrong, right? <laughs> like, so anyway, but... <laughs> Just you pronounce it and look it up on Google Translate when you get home, right? But this word might shock you. The definition in that first line there is a voluntary. A voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. So for all you husbands in the room... And I'm sure it's none of y'all, but figuratively speaking, for all the husbands that would ever hear this, you look at your woman and go, submit. How easy is it for you to submit to God? In everything. You struggle with it every day, don't you? There's a war in me that I want to do what I want or do what I want to do what God wants. And it, it conflicts back and forth. And there's constant fighting inside of you. Sometimes as you grow with the Lord, the, 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 the battle is very easy. It gets easier maybe for, for certain struggles for you. But how difficult is it for us to submit to God and we know that he is all-powerful, he created everything, he's over everything, he's sovereign, he knows everything, and it's still hard for us to submit to him? Slow your roll when it comes to the wife might having a struggle to submit. Show some grace. Because are you acting in the way that he has laid out for men to act? Are you loving her with the description of love that he gave in 1 Corinthians 13? Are you laying down your life for her? 
Is she the focus of everything that you're doing? Is your family the focus after God? The, the focus of everything that you're doing is to care for her, to love her, to protect her, to provide for her and all your kids and show that openly to the best of your ability. As difficult as that is for you, she's in the same boat with difficulty. Matt, you don't understand. The people I work with, they hang out on the weekends and they go drinking and they, none of them are married and they make fun of me because I go home and I take care of my kids instead of going out and getting plastered and screaming at the cardinals or whatever. They make fun of me for that. He is telling you, do not let the culture dictate how you treat your wife or husband. Don't let it dictate your faith. Don't let it dictate your actions. Don't let it dictate what you think is acceptable. Don't let it give you permission to struggle into immorality because, oh, everybody screws up like that. Don't follow it for its moral cues. Ignore the culture, reject it, and follow what God's telling you to do. When he says, fathers, don't aggravate your children. That word aggravate, the last line in your notes, it means to stir up and make bitter. To say things, to do things, to act in a way towards your children that will embitter them to the point where they're like, I can't stand that guy. I can't wait to get away from him. <clears throat> That's what he's talking about. So when he looks and says, hey, submit. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. You don't treat her harshly. Kids, listen to him because all of this is because you're doing what I want. No, because these actions are pleasing to the Lord. He's your creator. He designed you. He knows the way for you to succeed. He knows the way for you to flourish. He knows how this is supposed to work. It is you, you as a man, you as a woman, husband and wife, forever committed to each other, as long as you can biblically follow all the things that he's lined out for you. That is what he's trying to say is the best route for you. Reject the culture. Reject what they say is acceptable. Reject what they say is okay to do. Reject what they say about uh, having a side piece. Reject what they're saying about, about uh, man, just kill it. With it. You're not married yet. Just go out there and have all the fun you want. No. Because all of that is the chaos. All of that is the, the, the drama, the stuff that we're trying to get out of. And God says, hey, Cut out and find peace. We're going to cut a big hole in this canvas of chaos and you treat him and you treat her and y'all treat the little ones like this and you will, be, you will find the peace, the harmony, the grace the love that he has designed you to operate in.
is this how it works out every time? No. And it breaks God's heart. But this is how he's designed this to work. <clears throat> After seeing all of that and understanding all that, do you think that he's looking at people in America and going, uh, he's an oppressive, patriarchal bigot? You think that's what Paul is? You think he's trying to keep women under the thumb of men? Do you think that's what he's trying to do is, hey, dudes, make sure you're the lord of your home and just crush everybody underneath you? You think that's what he's saying here? No. What is he saying? All of this culturally accepted garbage is nonsense. Reject it. Live in a kingdom culture. Not in a kingdom culture that's like a brand. I made t-shirts, kingdom culture. Hats, kingdom culture. What's that mean? We're living kingdom culture. And we don't know what it means. Following this creates a culture. Getting around people who believe the same thing as you and are pursuing God the same way according to his word as you, that creates a culture inside of the chaos. And all the people in the chaos are looking at you. And right now, they might be laughing at you. But in three months, they might be going, that looks awful appetizing. That looks awfully inviting. That looks awfully attractive. Why? Because I'm out here doing everything that I want to do with no holds barred, with who I want to, when who I want to, and it is not leading me to any type of joy, any type of fulfillment, but I'm looking at this, this lady who I've been mocking for, for months because she goes home and is all about her husband. I go, oh, well, that works for them, just not for me. Live your life for God openly in front of the world and it will be attractive to them because they're drinking polluted water and when they, when they taste what the Lord has through your life, they'll go, I haven't had anything like that and pursue it. He knows how you're wired. He knows how you're made. He knew who you would marry. He knew what your kids would be like. I think he chuckles sometimes when he goes, oh, Wilbur, <laughs> yeah, you're going to have fun. Rashad, oh, yeah, boy, here's a ride for this one. You know what I mean? I think he might chuckle at some of that stuff. Why? He knows everything. This is not a passage to tell you do everything that man says and hate him forever. It's not a passage for, for men. Yeah, you tell them, submit to me, do it exactly what I said. That's not what this is. This is an, a, a, an apostle imploring people who live in the chaos to step out of it. Find peace. Act like you're supposed to. Let the change that's been taking place in your heart and in your mind, let it change you and the way you deal with each other. Because that right there is what God said when he said, uh, it's not good for man to be alone. One human being, all the animals were living at peace. Couldn't find a companion for him. It's not good that he does this. But our culture promotes, you don't need anybody. Just increase your body count. Keep going. Do whatever you want to do. Knock it out whoever you want to. Forget all your commitments. Forget all your uh, infidelity. Who cares? Immorality. Who cares? And then go be by yourself. And have a bunch of cats. It's in a small way what Adam experienced. 
It ain't good for that to happen to you. And as believers in Christ, he's laying out exactly how we're supposed to treat each other. That's why he's telling the Colossians to do this. I never understood why he talked about husbands, wives, children, and fathers. And I got that part. That all kind of goes together. But then he jumps right into servants. I don't have time to break all that down, but servants is basically employees. If you're an employee, don't work hard when the guy's looking and then slack off when he's not. Work for him as if you're working for the Lord. How in the world do all, how do those things go together? In our Americanized mind, we section everything off. Youth ministry, children's ministry, adult ministry, worship ministry, marriage ministry. And we find these little marriage passages and we pull them out and we go, well, that's what the Bible says. Submit and love. Y'all be kind. Conference over. That's not what he's saying here. Those are principles we have to apply. But he's saying don't let the culture dictate how you live. Don't section it out anymore. This is a complete whole life that I'm giving to God. And this is what he's telling us in, he's telling the Colossians and the principles that we're supposed to derive from it today. See how it changes when you don't read it through the American lens? And you read it through the lens of how it was written, to whom it was written, it changes our understanding. Matt, you don't know what my wife does. I don't. You don't know what my husband, you don't know what he does. I don't. I do know. That if we prioritize this, God's word, the, our, every aspect of our life will fall in line, including our marriage. Matt, the situation is complicated. Agreed. It wasn't, it wasn't Rome. Gosh. Talk about complicated. Talk about a whole bunch of dominoes got to fall. All I know is that doing it God's way is countercultural, but is always best. It's always best. If you are a man in this room, husband or father, who has fallen short in this, um, join the club. Because if we had time, I would sit all the guys up here and, and just, if we were honest, it would probably require turning the camera off, but if we're all sitting around here honest and telling each other, we would be like, yeah, I screwed up on that one. Had a bad day and mouthed off to, that, to, my, to, to my wife. My kid walked in after I just found out that, I, that this horrible thing happened in my family or whatever, and I just was like, get away from me, and I just took it out on them and... When I read that, I'm convicted. You're not alone. But if it convicted you, good. Because we're not supposed to just come here 
and learn history and learn what scripture really means and what city was about, all that helps us. We are supposed to be convicted to change. If you sit in this room and be like, dude, me and my wife act like that now, me and my kids act like that, and we're not perfect, but that is exactly how we're living, I applaud you. But my guess is there's been some tense conversations, PG version, that have happened because the love and the harshness, there was a lack of love and a more harshness, or there was no respect and no submission. I'm asking all of us to submit to his design. All of us. I can keep going, but I feel like everyone understands. I feel like the message has been delivered. It's not my message. I'm communicating to you what the apostle dropped off to a culture that was far worse than ours. So, how you treat each other, husband, wife, kids, parents, how you treat each other is a reflection on how much you love and serve Christ. And that one stings. That one stings. It stings. <laughs>